All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back. You know what time it is. It's another edition for the one and only Fan in the Van podcast. And a lot has gone down, obviously, in the world of sports. Uh, We've seen it on the Major League Baseball side of things. You know, the Mets look like they're going to start moving these bad contracts around. And Scherzer's gone. And David Robertson gets traded. It looks like Verlander's next. And God knows who else is going to get moved. But we could discuss that on Tuesday's edition of the Fan in the Van. Uh, The thing I want to talk about, obviously it involves the running back situation. And last night, if you don't follow football or you don't have a clue or you don't know who Jonathan Taylor is or the Indianapolis Colts or the coke-nose-fueled, alcohol-breath-having owner Jim Ursay, uh, Jonathan Taylor has, in fact, requested a trade from the Indianapolis Colts. Now, do I think this eventually happens? That's we're going to have to see as more things unfold. Uh, is Jonathan Taylor wrong for looking for McCaffrey money the way that Barkley was looking for it? And the answer is no, because when you look at these contracts from certain players in your respective position, it kind of sets the bar for what everybody else feels that they should get paid. Now, does Taylor deserve to get paid McCaffrey money? Uh, granted, last year probably wasn't, in my opinion, one of his best years, but he's carried that Colts offense now, and I get he's still on a rookie deal, but, you know, Ursay came out, and he said they're not afraid to pay their players going into the second part of their careers with a team, and to say, you know, the things he said last night, as I have to go and find it real quick, let's see, because I found it a few minutes ago, um, that if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us, Ursay said Saturday. The league goes on. We know the NFL league rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and goes, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. Where in the world is it a privilege to be in the NFL if you have a skill set that gets you there? You you know, if, if Jim Ursay and the Colts didn't draft Jonathan Taylor, somebody else would have. Like, you have to be an absolute moron to even come out and say these things to the media to make the situation look worse. The running back situation is already bad because people don't want to pay them. You know, as far as owners, GMs, and whoever handles the financial parts of these deals and contracts within each respected NFL team, right? Okay. So, that explained to me this why would uh, Jim Ursay has to be the most unhinged douchebag owner I have ever seen? And there's some shitty owners in the NFL and some delusional ones. But the fact that he comes out and you want to say it's a privilege to be in the NFL. First off, you are privileged to own the Colts because you inherited it from your from your father. And you've done what would it since? You lost Peyton Manning, okay, your biggest quarterback that you've had in some time. You draft Andrew Luck. You got him no protection to the point that he wanted to retire early. Had you gotten him what he needed, Andrew Luck would probably still be in the NFL, and we're talking about Andrew Luck is like a top five quarterback in the league, and who knows where he would be if he stayed in the league. But we don't know because the Colts owner 
who likes to dibble and dabble in whatever substance he can get his hands on, whether it's probably Adderall, Coke, PCP, LSD, I don't know, but hey, whatever gets your rocks off on a Saturday night, by all means, go ahead and enjoy that, but you know, to sit there and, and just spew the things you spew to the media, not thinking like it's going to air out and that we're not going to take it and we're not going to dissect it and we're not going to bash it and we're not going to ridicule you for saying it. You are the jackass of the week. You you really are. You you sit here and I and he's right where if he died tomorrow, if Jim Irsay passed away tomorrow and nobody signed Jonathan Taylor. This is the only part of this quote where he is correct. The NFL will go on. It will not stop because Jim Ursay passed away. It will not, you know, it will not stop because Jonathan Taylor winds up leaving the league and signing, say, with the XFL. And that would be the wildest thing if it happens. You know, the simplest thing here, really for both parties, is you need to just have, you need to just have, you know, a, a middle ground. You have to compromise somewhere. Something like what the Giants did with Barkley. And a lot of people gave Barkley flack for that one. And I discussed that, I think, Thursday or Friday, whichever day it was. And th- that's kind of, I think, what you're going to see happen. I mean, now, the Browns, they fairly pay Nick Chubb. You know, I think Nick Chubb should be paid more than what Cleveland's probably paying him. And this is a guy who can't stand the Cleveland Browns. And this was something that uh, when the when my brutally honest appearance uh, episode comes out, I think probably tomorrow with Aaron, there is a lot of bashing of Cleveland in it. There's a lot of bashing of Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of bashing of the Yankees. Um, it was kind of a bash-a-thon. But the thing is, but the thing is this. The reason why I can bash Cleveland the way I do is look at their fan base. And, and we discussed this a bit yesterday, where you have a toxic part of the fan base that makes the normal side of the fan base, it, it outweighs one to the other, and it's usually the toxic to the knowledgeable and the normal fan base. So unfortunately, the normal fan base gets thrown into the toxicity part of it. So for that, for the Cleveland Browns fans who do message me and say, hey, I agree on your take, I applaud you for that. For the toxic ones that that message me on the fucking dumpster fire, now known as X, okay, um, go fuck yourselves. That's all I'm going to tell you uh, because I'm not going to respond to it no more. But now that, that that rant's out of the way, Jonathan Taylor is a is a decent running back. This guy in one year was literally your whole offense. When you were going through the the carousel of quarterbacks from Brissett to, you know, Matt Ryan to Phillip Rivers to, you know, the grocery stand checkout kid at fucking Walmart. Okay. And you're sitting here and I understand running backs want to get paid for their services. It's like anything else. You know, it's like. Guys with regular jobs, they want to get paid their worth because they go above and beyond. And Jonathan Taylor for the Colts has gone above and beyond. Jim Ursay, you know, put your money where your mouth is, where you say you're not afraid to pay your players. 
go ahead. Put your money where your mouth is. Don't put Coke up your nose. Don't put the bottle of Buka to your freaking mouth. Put the money where your mouth is and pay this kid. I don't think he's, I don't think these running backs are asking a lot. You know, bottom line is this, um, who is it that came out? Actually, from the Jaguars, Tra- Travis uh, Etienne came out. And, you know, he understands why McCaffrey got the money he got because he's a viable threat, not only in the run game, but in the pass game. So he, in essence, is getting paid to do both. And Jonathan Taylor can do the same thing. And Barkley has done the same thing. And guys like Najee Harris can do the same thing. And it's going to come to a point where, and I hate to say this, running backs are going to have to change their style of play. They're going to have to become that dual threat. There's some guys who can do it, and there's guys that are not going to be able to do it in this league. And I think that's the only way you're really going to get paid. And Jonathan Taylor can do both. So why don't they just give Jonathan Taylor something in the middle? You know, I'm not saying give him guaranteed $16 million, but give him something that equals it. Like if you gave him, say, four years or even three years and, say, 32 to $36 million range, something like that. And that would make it about, depending on how you figure it, 12 to twelve to 14 a year. But then you throw in like 3 million in incentives. Like, hey, if you rush for 1,500, you get, you get 1.5. If you rush for 20 touchdowns, you get, you know, a million. If you do this, you get the, you know, like something like that. There's ways to work around it to give the guys what they want, but it's not going to break your bank. And, and, and if a guy like Jim Irsay could go out and buy fucking eight balls of Coke, Whenever he feels like it, then you could pay your running back. Plain and simple, in, in, in my honest of opinions. You know, ownership in every team, they always say they want to produce a winning product. But there's this old saying, and it comes with any business. You know, it's all about making money at the end of the day, right? So to make money, you got to spend money. The money you spend will come back to you tenfold. Just in ticket sales and jersey sales and ad advertisements, it, all of that, it'll come back to these owners tenfold, and it has. So, you know, for guys in the NFL who who make up that lost income supplement by doing ads, they don't really look at their contracts as, well, if I don't get paid, I'm not going to play. Because there's guys who get endorsement deals that they're worth more than the contracts that they're playing under. So to them, it doesn't matter because they have additional income. A guy like Jonathan Taylor may not have additional income. And I'm not saying because he doesn't have that, you know, that Jim Irsay should just open up the checkbook and just sign his name and say, hey, put whatever amount you want in there and I'll make sure the check clears. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you got to pay these guys at what their worth is. That's where all the analytics comes into play that's where, you know, like if you were going to look at a house and you want to know its true worth, wouldn't you send an appraiser there to look at it? So what, the, what ownership should do when it comes to the running back situation is you do the same thing. You bring a guy in to evaluate and then let this impartial party that has nothing to do with 
the player in question or the team in question. He just comes in. He's a he's an impartial party. All right, he comes in and he just says, "Listen, you know, I, I watched all the game tape, and he's got this." But it has to be a football knowledgeable minded person. Okay, but let's include that in there. Can't just be like, "Hey, you're asking freaking." Billy from Stop and Shop, who works in the produce department, to come into your facility to watch, you know, hundreds of hours of Jonathan Taylor film. You you know, know, you're not going to ask that guy to do it. You're going to bring somebody in who maybe has played running back in the NFL who's retired. Like, maybe you bring in a Barry Sanders, and he looks at the tape, and he goes, well, you know, this kid's got this intangible, this intangible, he could do this, he could do this. He's weak in this area. But for the amount of positives that outweigh the weak parts, why are you not paying this guy? And, you know, for those that are saying, you know, that the NFL is borderline slavery in a way. Listen, I don't agree with that because, you know, all these guys, whether you're black, white, Samoan, it doesn't matter. You chose to play in the NFL. You know, you had a skill set from a young age that got you to where you are. And for those that saying it's a borderline slavery, it doesn't. I'm sorry. It, it, it just, it, it does not. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, the running backs do get a raw deal. Because, again, their career expectancy is two to three, four years tops. We've said it before, there's the anomalies. There's the Derrick Henrys of the world that have done it. You know, there's guys like Christian McCaffrey is another one that, you know, even with the injuries, and he's still playing at a level that most probably couldn't do it at at this point. And granted, McCaffrey's still a young guy, but, you know, when you look at guys that you never expected to get traded, he was one of them. So when this Jonathan Taylor news broke that he wanted to get traded, it was like, hey, you know, we didn't expect this. And it's kind of the same shocking development the way it was where you found out Carolina was trying to shop McCaffrey. And it was probably to avoid all this, to, to pay him. Because they knew they wouldn't be able to do it because Carolina was then pretty much saying, no, we're going to be in a full rebuild. You know, we don't have the right quarterback. We don't have this. We don't have this. And the only way to do it is build it through the draft, bring in you know, veterans that we could pay a, a low value to that'll accept a deal because they still want to be in the league and they still could give something. Jonathan Taylor's still young where if the Colts trade him and he goes to, say, Miami, you're going to look like the biggest asshole in the world if you're Jim Irsay if Jonathan Taylor goes there and then produces even more in Miami than to the to the lengths that he would have produced in Indianapolis. And if I'm Ursay, I don't want to see that. You know, and I get the running back is one of the most physical positions in the league. It's one of the most dangerous ones to play. It's just but you know what? Because the career expectancy is so short, that's why I can understand why running backs want to get paid what they want to get paid because they're thinking of the future. They're thinking of the scenarios that can happen. They're thinking like, hey, you know, I could take a simple, you know, HB toss and I could cut the wrong way and fuck my knee up and I can't come back from that. 
But hey, at least I'm still going to get paid. At least I'm going to have some guaranteed money that I could take that and build something off that and maybe invest it in a business, invest it in this. And, and that's where I understand and have a sympathetic viewpoint to the running back situation where it's, hey, you don't have to give him everything he's asking for, but meet in the middle. If It seems as though nobody has learned from the Steeler-Le'Veon Bell situation. And you need to learn from that. You need to learn from that. You need to learn. Like, the, like these running backs need to learn, like, hey, some of them need to learn, like, there may not be a bigger market for me if I make this move. There's no coming back from this. Like, if Saquon Barkley decide to sit out, there may not have been another avenue for him to go down to get the deal he was looking for because teams that were looking at him will have a sour taste in their mouth like, hey, you sat out the whole year. And that's why Le'Veon, in his situation, really, I mean, yeah, the Jets paid him, but they paid him less than what the Steelers offered if you do the math. If, you know, his agent and Le'Veon Bell knew how to do simple two plus two equals four, no matter how you want to break it down, he would have got paid more in Pittsburgh. You know, and Le'Veon Bell makes a valid point when it comes to quarterbacks getting paid. Now, I've discussed it at length in the past where I do feel that some of these quarterbacks are not paid. You know, they're overpaid. Daniel Jones is one of them. And people are coming at Bell saying, you know, because Bell came out and he said, listen, you know, Daniel Jones is a low-tier quarterback. And he is. And he's getting paid off of one good year. But if you looked at Barkley's numbers compared to Daniel Jones in the same span of which they played, okay, and the amount of years they played together, Barkley's proven his worth time and time again, even with the injuries. And that's the reason why he didn't get what he got from the Giants is because of that one injury. And I, and I can understand that. You know, an injury will scare a team off from paying you top dollar. I get it, but... You could still find a middle-of-the-road avenue to go down and pay these guys. You know, the Giants were willing, the, the Giants are willing to invest in Daniel Jones off of one good year. Me, personally, with a new coach and a new offensive scheme, a new offensive coordinator, I would have given Daniel Jones a one-year show-me. Let's see if it's really the change in, in the change from the carousel of coaching to now we have a stable coaching staff. Can you do this again? And in the Colts situation, you don't have that stable quarterback situation still. And you could think you have it with mullet mania and Gardner Minshew, or that you even have it in Anthony Richardson. And the fact that they're dragging this kid into it is people on, on, on Twitter X, whatever the fuck you want to call it. They're saying this kid should ask for a trade before his rookie deal is done because he will be in the same boat when this time comes in four or five years or even in less time than that. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what Anthony Richardson's going to be because he had a low floor, high ceiling. Okay? He was the only one in the draft that anyone could say he had the lowest floor, but he's got the highest ceiling for potential. Jonathan Taylor has a very high ceiling. He's a very versatile back. He can do the things out of the backfield that guys like McCaffrey can do and Najee can do. And, you know, even Travis Etienne can do because he's done it in Clemson, okay? And even Barkley, 
and Nick Chubb, even Mixon, you know, all these running backs. There's some that can't do it. So those are the guys that you're not going to pay a freight for. But in the Jonathan Taylor situation, you got to pay this guy. You got to pay this guy. Because without him, what run game do you really have? You don't have another former offense without Jonathan Taylor. You just don't. You know, it's almost like, and again, it's almost like these owners want to just, like they're happy with the pass-happy league and they're willing to pay the quarterbacks and the wide receivers top dollar. I understand the quarterback gets paid the most because he's the offensive general. I understand that because people go, well, you don't understand. No, no, no. You're not listening. And that's the problem. There's a difference between listening and hearing. And you're not hearing me. You're listening, but you're not hearing me say this. Okay. I understand the quarterback is the offensive general position on the field because he commands the offense. Okay. Anybody with a simple thought process in their head can even understand that. But not every quarterback can do that. And Daniel Jones, to me, I don't think can do that. And I don't think Daniel Jones should have got paid first. I think Saquon Barkley should have got paid. The same way I think Jonathan Taylor should be paid. The same way Josh Jacobs should have got paid before they even brought in Jimmy G. And I wouldn't be surprised if you hear Josh Jacobs wants out of freaking Vegas next. I mean, the rumblings are in Vegas. That Devontae ain't happy there now. And he's going to try to weasel his way over to New Jersey to play with Ayuska Rogers. And hang out in a, in, in a cave somewhere in fucking Belleville, New Jersey. I don't know. But for Jim Irsay, the, the point of the episode, for Jim Irsay to come out and say again that it's a privilege to play in the NFL. Is... One of the biggest douchebag things you can really say to the sports media and not think it's going to be tweeted, put on Facebook, uh, put on Instagram, put on any social media app that we're not going to figure it out and we're not going to find it and we're not going to talk about it. You know, it's almost like Jim Irsay came out and he was like Cody Rhodes at WWE and he's like, all right, sports media. What do you want to talk about? And they said, well, what about Jonathan Taylor wanting to get traded? And he said, well, let's not make this about him. Let me look like a moron. And let me say the most outlandish things possible so that guys like Jim from Van, Fan in the Van and Garrett and Jalen at Two Dudes with Sports News can have their opinion and Aaron at Brutally Honest and Brent and David 1420 and, and uh, Average Joe's Sports Podcast and Sports Bliss or Robin Chris, all these sports podcasts can have their opinion and they could bash me at will or they could agree with me, okay? Because there's going to be some that will agree with what Ursay says. I don't know why. I don't agree with the last part. I understand. I, I agree with the first part of his statement because he is right. If he died tomorrow, Jonathan Taylor isn't in the league. You know, the league continues. The game goes on. It doesn't stop. It's like anything else. And, you know, it's like at my job. If, I, if I'm out sick for a week, what do you think? They just close my store and nothing happens? No. Business continues. 
And that happens in the NBA. I mean, Kobe Bryant died and the, and the game still went on. I mean, they honored him, yes, but the game still went on. You know, Michael Jordan retired from basketball. The NBA didn't stop. Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux retired from hockey. The NHL's still going on. Mike Piazza, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, Big Papi Ortiz, Roger Clemens, all these guys, they all retired from baseball, but it's still going on. And if you're not understanding the point, it's that it doesn't matter what happens because life still goes on. I could drop dead right here and now. You think the world stops? No, it doesn't. It goes on. And, and, that's the, and, and that's the one part, the only part I could agree with Jim Irsay. Because everything else was just friggin' bullshit and just saying whatever he wanted to say because he had to just, I don't know, friggin' maybe the eighth line of coke finally hit at that point. And he's like, oh, this is some good shit. Now I'm just going to speak outlandishly. You know, or, or maybe he hit a slur phase like Jordan Belfort when he would pop fucking 19 quaaludes. Uh, who knows? Who knows why Ursay said the things he said last night? But he's wrong. He's wrong for thinking it's a privilege. You go tell Troy Palomalu it was a privilege for him to play in the NFL. You tell Heinz Ward that. You tell James Harrison, who just got put, who just got nominated and put in for the Hall of Honor for the Steelers this year, along with Aaron Smith. Go tell them it was a privilege for them to play in the NFL. It's not like having, it's not like going for your road test and getting your driver's license where driving is a privilege, okay? In the NFL, all these guys, whether you're the top guys in the league or you're those practice squad guys that are just used just to practice with and just do drills with, they all had a skill set that they busted their ass. It's not like, it's not like somebody went up to Jonathan Taylor in college and said, hey, you want to be the running back for the Colts, even though you've never played football before? Just saying, like, if Jonathan Taylor was just a regular guy, didn't go to, didn't play football, so it's like, hey, you look like you can run with a football. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you the privilege to play in the NFL. No. Jonathan Taylor had to put in the work the same way Barkley put in the work, the same way that running backs before them put in the work. It's not a privilege to play in the NFL. It's an honor to play in the NFL. It's an honor to play in the NBA. It's an honor to play in Major League Baseball. That, that's the highest honor you could get with the skill set you have because you put in the work. And nobody could take that from you. But to sit here and have this owner speak sideways? If I'm the owner, if I'm Jerry Jones, or if I'm the Roonies, if I'm the Maratish family, if I'm Woody Johnson, you know, if I'm all these owners in the NFL, I'm looking at this guy like, I, 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 I don't claim this fuck. I don't claim this guy in the ownership clique. I don't claim this guy at all. You're on your own island. You're on the island of Ill, of freaking ill that can't say right now. You're just on your island alone. You have no relevancy to us at all. You don't exist. That's it. But with that being said, I figure I just pop on and just give my take on it. Um, also, too, tomorrow morning, the audio of uh, Steel and Teal's guest appearance on the Average Joe Sports podcast will be up at 5.30 a.m. Uh, thanks to him for letting us use the audio as a seventh episode for Steel and Teal. Most people don't have to do that, and he was very... Uh, 
he was very willing to do that for us. So I, we appreciate that. Um, me and Garrett definitely do appreciate that. Um, there will be a new steel and teal this Saturday. Um, we figured because we had just did it Thursday night with, with, with average Joe sports that it kind of felt like a steel and teal episode. So we decided not to record a new one Saturday cause it would just all tie together anyway. Um, also too, tomorrow morning should be the release of my brutally honest appearance with Aaron at brutally honest, where we just bash everything to shit because that's normally what we do when we get together. And it was a lot of fun. Um, Got to get together with Brent soon to do a uh, a Yankees ill-themed episode, I'm sure, amongst other things. So that that's another one that's in the works as we speak. Um, but as usual, I like to thank everybody who follows and retweets. So obviously, I got those guys out of the way. Um, but I also want to give a shout-out, obviously, to Sports Bliss with Robin Chris. Level of Playing Field Sports Podcast. Uh, don't take my Blue Jays criticism too seriously. Uh, it's just an honest assessment. <laughs> um, check out Nate's Daily Wagers and You Bet Sports if you're into uh, sports gambling. If you're into pro wrestling, check out John Wrestling Fans Insight as well as Wrestling World with Austin Boyer. Um, to all the other podcasts, I still have not written a list yet. I will get to that at some point in my busy, hectic uh, schedule in life. Um but to all the other podcasts who follow, listen, retweet, as always, it's appreciated. Stay safe and stay tuned for Tuesday's episode where we discuss more of the MLB trade deadline. As right now, it looks like it's going to be very bland and boring. So till then, stay safe and as always, peace.